actually, it was a mule. I, I, I just sketching a mule. And Mr. Vale looked over at me. He hadn't said anything to me at this point. And he said, oh, you paint too. I said, no. He said, well, you ought to. You have an awful lot of talent there. Welcome to Why West Texas, a show about the incredible people and amazing places in our region. This podcast will tell the stories of influencers who have tapped the towering potential of the flatlands. Welcome to Why West Texas. I'm Cade Wilcox, your host, and today we are with West Texas icon, Mr. Kenneth Wyatt, in his home studio in Toya, Texas. Mr. Wyatt, we really, really appreciate you joining us. It is a privilege to be with you. Thank you very much. So t- tell us about your background. I, 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 uh, I don't know how long you've lived in Toya. I don't know how long you've been in West Texas. I don't know where you were born. I don't know all the good stuff. So why don't you share with our audience a, a bit about your story? Well, I'll start started early, okay? I was born in Wichita Falls. We didn't stay there long. I was just one year old when I left there, but I don't remember it too well. (laughs) But um, my father, my first years of my life, was uh, worked in the oil patch uh, on the old cable tool days. He was a tool dresser and a driller, and we moved, seemed like, every week. Uh, to, to a new drilling area, and uh, uh, we changed schools every time we did that. I think my brother went to 32 different schools. He figured out one time before he graduated. Wow. So we were a traveling family until we, uh, one day he uh, sat down with uh, the family and he said, nobody in our family is either, either my mother's or, or his. He said, nobody has ever been totally through school. A lot of them have been, back in those days, there were several teachers in the family, but they'd all just gone two years to school, and then you could get a teacher's certificate, and you could teach school. So he said, we have some teachers, but we don't have anybody that's been to school for four years. I can't afford to uh, send them to school. I'm going to take them. I'll be back in a few days. And he left, and about a week later, he showed back up, and he had bought a house in Stephenville, Texas, where there was a college. He said, I'm taking them to school, mm. and uh, we can give them a couple of years of schooling, and maybe they'll learn something from that. So uh, we moved there. Actually, we moved there the day the World War II started. Wow. December the 7th. Wow. We were about halfway there, and... Uh, it came on the radio. We were pulling this big cotton trailer full of all of our belongings, and and uh, he stopped the car alongside the road, and he was he was upset, mm. and he upset all the family, and uh, he'd walk one end of the car to the back of the trailer and kick a weed and go back <laughs> to the front of the car again. Venting his frustration. It, it, it really was. It was a terrible day. Uh, it was a day everybody in America was upset. 
We moved to Stephenville. He put in a construction business because he had done that before, and uh, that's what I did okay. in my youth was how to climb the buildings. How did you find your way back to West Texas? Well, I went to the Navy and uh, spent about 18 months in the Navy, and then they dropped the big bombs and closed the war down, and uh, they didn't want anybody in the service anymore because they were just expense. Mm -hmm. And uh, they let me out, and I went home and off to school. And um, I was going to, I was called in my feelings of my heart, uh, I was called to be a pastor. I wanted to tell people about the gospel. Okay. And I felt that was my job. And so for 32 years, I had a pastorate. Hmm. I was a Methodist minister. Okay. And uh, um, let me see, I could say it a nicer way, I suppose, but with my kind of preaching, I move pretty often. Okay. <laughs> you can take that the way you want to. I, I like to think I was so good they kept moving me around. <laughs> Others think it was the other way. But uh, I ended up moving out into West Texas, um, following where the church, the okay. Methodist Church, sends people to places, and they sent me out to West Texas. And... Uh, pastored for some 32 years, and I thought that was enough. I, it was about time to look for something else. 32 okay. years is a long time. It is a long time. Um, when did you realize that you had the gift of art? I mean, at what point in, in well, your journey did you realize that you had a, a real gift? Well, uh, luckily I knew some people that knew. Um, I did a lot of public speaking back then, uh, mostly chamber of commerce banquets and that sort of thing. There was a time that if you had a meeting, you had a speaker. And I was a speaker for a couple of years after I um, stopped being a pastor. We moved to, we kind of got in the car and drove around looking for a place to live and we found Tulia and we my somebody in the family had to have an income, so I got my wife a job <laughs> as an English teacher, and uh, then I was speaking at a, at a chamber of commerce banquet at Parrots in Texas, and there was a man visiting there from um, up. Topeka, Kansas, I guess. I think that's where he was a member of the Knife and Fork Club. That's a speaking organization. Okay. It's worldwide. You can go you can go at that time you could at that time it was a huge club. It's not as large now. But uh, they had hundreds of speakers all over the world around speaking and they organized the in engagements. They uh he, just visiting his kinfolk in Perryton, but being a public speaking man, and he came, he was on their board, and his job was to find new speakers. 
And he came to the dinner that night and heard me speak. Just as soon as it was over with, he came to the front. He said, we got to have you. Uh, you're, you're too funny. He said, you, we got to have you on our staff. I said, we don't normally have preachers because uh, preachers can't tell a joke. They think they can, but they can't. <laughs> um, but uh, he asked me if I would be interested. Well, I had just had an experience that, that I was ready to quit, that, I, that 32 years was enough. And um, I said, I'd love to talk to you about it. And he said, we'll be to see you. So they came to see me at my church and uh, said, now we don't normally hire preachers. Won't you know that? We've only, got, we've only got one other preacher out of all the hundreds of speakers we have. His name is Norman Vincent Peel. I mean, that, uh, he was the biggest preacher there was anywhere then. I mean, <laughs> Billy Graham wasn't well-known by <laughs> even. But uh, um, I knew that they were talking big big talkers. Uh, and But they asked me if I could come. You had to prepare so many speeches and get ready to go out. And the people that you were coming to listen, that were coming to listen to you, they dress up in their tuxes and their long dresses, and have a elegant dinner with all the knives and forks laid out, you know, up above the plate even, and so on. And I had to learn all that before I went anywhere because I didn't know where those forks were used or why why you would have four knives or you had to cut certain things with certain knives and. Um, but I started, and I spoke about a, about 130 times that year, I wow. guess, which is a lot of peas and lots of potatoes. <laughs> and uh, uh, I spoke, and other people heard about me, and more and more began to ask for me. Once or twice, I did follow Norman Vincent Peale, and that was terrible because he had already said everything there was to say. Right. He was fantastic. But uh, spoke for a couple of years on the Knife and Fork Club circuit. And I had so much time on my hands when I was home, there wasn't anything to do. I mean, I, my, if you knew how I liked the whole You'd understand why I didn't raise gardens and things. <laughs> but, you know, you'd be home for two days, and then you'd be gone for three, and you'd be home for a few hours and then back off on the circuit again. And uh, I thought this was it. I was going to be a speaker. It's pretty good money, and uh, uh, I do like to get up in front of people and tell all the dumb jokes that's ever been written. <laughs> and... Uh, I went down to Dallas to speak, and it was a little different dinner. They were giving a dinner for a man that had been the CEO of the company at one of the big companies in Dallas, and he was retiring, and they wanted to give him a gift and a dinner. So I was going to be the entertainment at the dinner, and a man by the name of uh, Dimitri Vale, who was a fantastic artist. He was a portrait painter. And uh, 
they wanted to give him painting of himself. And Mr. Vale had painted a painting, a portrait of the man, and they had it there on a stand with the silk cloth over it draped so he couldn't see it. Uh, they wanted to put it over the speaker, but uh, that wouldn't have worked. But uh, I, I sat next to Mr. Vale at the head table, and uh, you listen to other people as they get up and give their reports and their thoughts and their thoughts about the man that was uh, going to retire and so on, and you write a few ad-libs, something comes in and you say, oh, that's funny. You, if you said it this way, it'd be funny. And you, uh, so I had a few notes there, and I'd write down my ad-libs as I heard them in my mind. And, uh, and when nothing funny was happening, well, I, I began to sketch a little painting. Uh, it was actually, it was a mule. I, I, I just sketching a mule. And Mr. Vale looked over at me. He hadn't said anything to me at this point. And he said, oh, you paint too. I said, no. He said, well, you ought to. You have an awful lot of talent there. And I didn't pay me too much attention to that. I was supposed to speak in a minute. I couldn't <laughs> think about that. And then I, then I spoke. And uh, when I got through speaking, they unveiled the painting, the portrait. Wow, he was good. He was something very special mm. and uh, I was consumed with how good he was I didn't know anybody could do stuff like that and uh, he said Mr. White what are you doing uh, when do you go back to Lubbock come here I flew into Lubbock and then drive up here and he said, I said, tomorrow, I'm about 11 o'clock in the morning to catch a plane. He said, where are you staying tonight? I said, out at Holiday Inn out here. And he said, why don't you come go with me? You don't have a car or anything. I'll take you out to my studio, and we'll talk art, because you need to think about wow. painting a painting or two. So we drove out there, and I spent the whole, really spent the rest of the night talking about art. He was fantastic. He had painted everybody that was ever a celebrity. He had done their paintings, and he had pictures to, to look at. Wow. Had hundreds of things I could see. And you know how giddy, after you've been up all night, and you're about 5 o'clock in the morning, and you're still awake, and you get a little giddy, and I looked at a painting, and I thought, in my mind, I thought, hmm, I believe I could do that, <laughs> <laughs> which is, is not true. Sure. He was a step above most people. And uh, the next morning when we got ready, he said yeah, he's ready to take me out to the airport, and he brought a sack of things and a couple of pieces of canvas, and him to me and he said, go home and paint something. Mm. I looked in the sack and it was, he had put a lot of brushes and, and tubes of paint wow. and, and uh, then some canvas. And he said, go home and stretch your painting, a canvas and paint your painting and then bring it to me and let me look at it and I'll critique it for you. We'll talk about it. Well, 
I got off the airplane. My wife said, what is this? And I said, this is art stuff. <laughs> she said, what do you mean art stuff? And I said, I'm, I'm going to be an artist, I think. <laughs> she said, can you... Can you paint a painting? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to paint a masterpiece <laughs> when great. I get to it. That's great. It took me six weeks to learn how to stretch the canvas. <laughs> I couldn't get one with... You'd think about putting a piece of canvas on four pieces of board and have a square. Uh, I had parallelograms. <laughs> it just wouldn't come out yeah. square. I finally painted me a great... Uh, stretched me a great old big one. And he was my son over there. Mark was uh, in Little League at that time, and I got him out to pose for me. Since everything I'd looked at so far had been a portrait, I thought I'd okay. always stay that's a portrait since that's the only thing I knew anything about. And uh, I put him in his baseball uniform with his bat and his glove, and and. Uh, Got ready to paint. That's awesome. I'm going to paint my first painting. I've got about a week off before I go back on the road with speaking again. I thought I could get a lot done. Uh, then you have to decide where you're going to start. Do you start at the top or the bottom or the middle or from one corner and go across? I didn't know. It took quite a while to make up my mind. So I started right in the middle okay. with the glove because he had it right there. I painted the glove first and stepped back and looked at it, and I thought, you can do that. You can paint that. You, you saw that. You painted that yourself. And uh, that was the first one. I still have it hanging in my basement, so wow. when I begin to think I'm pretty good, I go down and look at it and realize <laughs> just how pitiful I am. <laughs> it, it wasn't that good. That's great. <laughs> so that was... When when he invited you to even think about yourself as an artist, yeah, that was the first time that 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 ever occurred to you. I mean, that was the first time that you had been invited to even think think in that way. That was your fo first exposure to to your gift of, of oh, being I, able to create I, art. I knew in high school I could draw because if the cheerleaders were having a hard time making their signs. Boy, I was available. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I mean, they got me more dates than I could with the good looks. <laughs> but, uh, no, I knew I could draw. Okay. Uh, having painted a painting before, no. Wow. That was that was it. That's great. And so it just picked up from there. So, so you and, do this first painting, and, and you obviously started falling in love with it. Then I just started painting different things. Just like they started painting. Of course, I was living in cowboy country, so I painted some horses because they're they're around ready for tomorrow for you, and they don't criticize your work. <laughs> so I was enjoying myself very much painting Western-style paintings. And uh, when we moved here, I was beginning to get in, and then when I would come home from speaking, and uh, I would get to the easel as soon as I could. Mm. And uh, the way we worked it in my house, my wife would, uh, she was teaching English still, because I still hadn't gotten a check from anybody. But, uh, uh, she'd fix the kids up and get them cleaned up and dressed and fed and off to school and she'd get off to school then I'd clean up the dishes and walk to the easel and paint all day till they got home wow. and then I'd paint all night if I could mm -hmm. I love 
painting. Mm. It's a privilege to get to do it. And I just spent all my time with brushing my hand. Um. And uh, was there a, was there a moment where people in this region and in the community and the region really uh, identified and understood, you know, what you were doing, and you know, what what was the catalyst well, that took you from Tulia to being all over the world? Well, I'll be blunt: uh, the people at Tulia didn't recognize I was an artist at first. Uh, most of my art that I sold, I sold well. I went to. A, I decided if he was going to sell your work, had to take it to a gallery. Okay. I knew that there were galleries that sold paintings, even though I don't think I'd ever been in a gallery. Right. But there were some galleries in Amarillo, so I loaded up. I had all. I had had thirteen paintings. I put them in the car, and I drove over to a gallery, and I walked in, and I had done this. I I, I did this. Fifteen or twenty times, I'm sure. I'm shy. You don't. You don't think so, but I. I really, kind of, retar- retiring. I started to say retarded, but it, I meant retiring. I, I don't like to push forward too much. But uh, I went in, and the man met me at the door, and he said, "May I help you?" And I want to say, "Yeah, I'm an artist. I want you to look at my work and buy some of it." Would you be interested? I wanted to say that, but I didn't. I said something like, Would, <clears throat> I'd like to look at some frames, please. I like, may want to buy a frame. I think I, I bought frames that I never have used yet. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> but uh, one day my wife went with me, and she came, went inside with me, now she's she's a school teacher. She has the ability to speak, and uh, the man said, uh, "May I help you?" And I said, "I'd like to look at some brushes, maybe." And he said, uh, "You you you've been in before, haven't you?" I said, "A few times," and my wife said, "He paints too." He said, "Well, I thought maybe he did as many frames as he bought. I thought maybe indeed he does." <laughs> He said, I'd like to see some of your work sometime. And I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. My wife said, he has some in the car right now. He said, whoa, let's bring them in. And I said something like, well, maybe the next time over. And she said, I'll help bring them in. So they brought them in and they set them up against the wall around on the floor, leaning against the wall. And he stepped back and he said, I believe you've got something. Hmm. And I said, uh, yeah, I've got some paintings here. <laughs> and he said, why don't you leave these here and I'll show them to some people and we'll talk about it with some of the other artists and so on, see what they think. And I said, I'd love to. I first interest I'd had in any of the paintings. And uh, so we left them there. I went off on a speaking tour and couple of times and it had been about a month and I came back and I, I knew he's bound to have sold them all out by now so I told my wife I'm headed to Amarillo I've got to see which ones he sold drove up over there and went in there's all there against the wall except what is the one missing and I said ah, there's, there's one missing there he said yes I I don't know what happened to that one 
somebody had taken it out, and he didn't know it even. Oh, it, it, no. He took no responsibility for it. He couldn't even remember what the painting was. I could, but he couldn't. And I, I decided that maybe this was not the gallery I needed to be in. If they took, if they sold you paintings and you don't, you don't have any record of it. So I gathered them all up and drove over to the other side of town where the big art gallery was. It was called the High Plains Gallery, and uh, was run by a man that had a pretty good reputation for being knowing art and so on. And he had at one time been the uh, editor of the Globe News, and so he was. I felt like he wouldn't just lose the painting until he didn't know what happened to it. So uh, he looked at them and he said, uh, I went in and said, I, I paint. Would you like to look at my paintings? He just said, I would. I'd love to. And uh, so we brought him in and set him against the wall and he looked at him and he said, I think you've got something. And I thought, yeah, I have one less painting than I had. <laughs> and he said, uh, would you mind leaving those here and let me look at them some? And I said, well, I don't, uh, that, uh, man, well, yeah, I guess it'd be all right. And he said, no, I don't want to try and sell one or anything. I just want to look at them and see what I think you've got. I said, all right. So we did, and I, he called me in a couple of days, and he said, we're about to have an art show here an art auction. I'm going to have it outside in the parking lot and we're going to advertise it in the papers and on the TV and would you like to put some of your work, may I put some of your work in the show? And I said, yeah! So the day of the show came, we gathered all the family up and over to Amarillo we went and there they were sitting on easels out in the parking lot along with Carl Smith and some other people that I'd learned that how to pronounce their name because <laughs> they were good artists. And uh, he didn't have too many artists to show. But uh, I, the, the first painting was on a piece of cardboard. Actually, it was a, a beaver board, which was kind of a paper thing. It was about 15 inches high and about 20, 30 inches long. And there was a blue bonnet painting that I had decided that I'd paint, and I painted that. And he held it up, and the auctioneer began saying, and he said, wait, let me say something first. This man's going to be a good artist. Mm. You ought to pay attention to uh, what the price is on this, because next time you come in, it'll have a zero behind it. Uh, I guarantee you, he's going to be a good artist. Those of you that are my customers know I don't mis misdirect you on art. This man's going to be a good artist. Uh, and not only that, but he has, they were building the New Baptist Hospital at that time, which is a BSA hospital there. And he said, um, Mr. White has already told me that he wants to give the money off his first painting he ever sells. He wants to give that to the hospital out here. I didn't need help giving my work away. I needed help <laughs> selling some. <laughs> but, but I thought, well, he knows his business. I believe I'll let him run with it. And uh, they began to bid on it, and 
hurry up. I got up above $50, and I said to the family, I said, I can't. My stomach won't hold this. I've got, we've we got to leave. We'll come back a little later. So we all piled in the car and left while the auction was still going on. And I called back in about an hour, and I said, uh, how's, uh, how's the show going? They said, the lady that answered his secretary said, oh, so you got to come out here. He said, uh, that first one sold for $75, which back got, yeah. now this has been 50-something years Good ago. Good money. And that was $50 was a lot of money. It yeah. was for a poor preacher that never heard anything but clanking when the collection plate <laughs> passed by. <laughs> I mean, you want to hear that those bills go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clank, clank, clank. <laughs> Quarters. You know what it is. So they say, you got to come out here. They're, they're selling. And they've, in fact, they've sold all of your paintings. Mm. Uh, with the one missing, said just had twelve left, and so we sold. The, they sold the twelve. Said now, the three that you brought over today that are, that you painted, the, he'd call me and ask me if I was coming to the show, and I said yes. And he said, "Do you have any horse paintings? Can you paint a horse?" And I said, "Sure." I never had, but I figured I could. I could see it in my mind, and so he said, bring me some horse paint. So I took three over, and they were all three wet. They were still just dripping wet. But he said, that's not against we'll hang them up high on the wall. So they hung them up high so nobody could reach them. And they said, they want, you, they want you, me to pull off the three horse paintings and put those in the auction. Would you do that? And I said, they're wet. They said, they'd leave them here till they got dry. I said, run them through. <laughs> so we waited about an hour and I called. And I said, how'd the wet paintings sell? They said, no, I'm not going to tell you anything on the phone. Said, so you got to come out here. So I drove out to the gallery. Everybody was already gone because they'd saved those three paintings to the last. So everybody was through bidding when they sold my last ones and uh, they'd sold all the all 12 of the first ones that I had left over and then they sold the three wet ones and uh, I think $75 was the cheapest one we sold and I think one of the wet ones sold for about $350 or something mm. scared me to death <laughs> you know and he said no just enjoy it uh, we, I says, we're going to celebrate. Got the money now, we're going to go to Big Texas. So <laughs> That's great. Went to Big Texas and great. had a steak. So, uh, so at this point, you're off to the races. So you, you go from yeah. there. And uh, So I read online that uh, President uh, George W. Bush... Well... Yeah. Go ahead. He had he had some of your art, and I read something about Queen Elizabeth. So you go from an uh, art gallery, just getting your feet wet in Amarillo, <laughs> Texas, to having your paintings all over the world. So well, was a, how does that happen? Uh, uh, a nice thing happened. There was a guy named Ken Curtis, better known as Festus, off the Gunsmoke show. You may have seen the Gunsmoke show. Sure. Well, Festus was the... Was the uh, he started off as the town drunk, ended up as the deputy. 
and he was so well liked and loved that in places in the world it's called the the um, Ken, not not the Kenny Curtis show. It's called uh, uh, the Festus show. Instead of Gunsmoke, they dub it as the Festus show. He's he got that popular in certain places in the world, and uh, he wa he was there to sing at the rodeo because he was a singer, and. Uh, they had one of my paintings in the rodeo arena office there. And he walked in there and he saw that and said, who painted that? And they said, oh, the guy that lives down the street here. We got it out of here at the gallery. He said, I've been traveling all over the world looking for the art I want. He paints exactly what I want. And you got his phone number. And so they phoned the gallery and set up a meeting for me to come over and show him some work. So I had six or seven paintings and I took them over to the gallery and uh, they finally took everything I had. He bought 13, I think, that first day. <laughs> so Ken, and then he took them to Hollywood and other Hollywood celebrities mm -hmm. uh, got involved and some people that had some name to them and knew art a little bit, began to buy. Wow. And uh, somebody told Queen Elizabeth, her art um, director, I suppose, I don't know what you'd call him in England, but uh, he was supposed to build her collection of art. She has quite a collection. I can imagine. And uh, he said, you don't have anything of a United States artist, and uh, she didn't think much of the United States artist, neither did anybody else in the world. Sure. And she, he, he said, I mean, you need a piece of Western art. So they decided, she said, well, get me a piece. Hmm. He called the Texas Chamber of Commerce, happened to be one of the people that had been somewhere and seen my work and he said I've got just the man wow do you know what piece they bought like what do you know what they have I do because uh, it was a nighttime scene in the rain of an old house with the lights shining out the window in the rain and an old boy walking leading his horse mm. with the yellow slit and on the, yellow, the horse didn't have a yellow slit on the man right. had a yellow slit right. <laughs> he's leading the horse down the, down the little road in front of the house and within just oh just a few months why uh, there was a man by the name of uh, Ronald Reagan oh uh, saw some of my work and he asked who I was and they and he slipped into Amarillo uh, so they didn't have to have 19 bodyguards and stuff he had a couple of uh, secret service men with him but I went over to I took eight or nine paintings over and and they wouldn't even let me come in these room. I had to let them in. I put them in the hallway. Wow. Down the hallway next on next to the wall. <laughs> and uh, he came out and walked up and down. And finally he said, that's the one I want. 
And it was another painting I had done of a man riding his horse. Yeah, I was looking on by an old house in the rain by okay. at nighttime with a light shining out the window. And he picked that and and when one of the national ladies, uh, Barbara or something, I can't remember the, she was a news broadcaster and had gone on and had her own show and then finally retired. But uh, she went out to interview him at the, his ranch in California and he was showing people around the room uh, with the camera and he got to that painting and he said, now here's my favorite painting. I went, oh. <laughs> I'm over hugging the TV scene. And uh, he says, when I, get, when I get real tired, when I'm give out, when I'm rested, I go in and shower and I come in and I sit down this chair that faces that and I just sit and think, I'd love to have been a cowboy. <laughs> that's well, amazing. I, that, that's my kind of life right there. And he said, that's my favorite painting. Well, it's my favorite painting, too. Wow. But it's like the one the Queen had. Well, it wasn't but about a month later that the Queen came over to visit him out at the ranch out there. So I'm sure, I don't know whether this really happened or not, but I think she was sitting in, that was the favorite chair, because that was the one that he sat in all the time. I'm sure she looked up and says, Oh, so I have one of those, too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Because they were... Similar, yeah, they weren't alike. That's awesome. Because I'm not good enough to make two paintings alike. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> that's great. But that's the, in a sense, uh, that's how those two got involved. But other people have been involved in different ways. Yeah. And uh, we've had several celebrities uh, in the movie in the Hollywood. Uh, Vincent Price, who was known as the art man in Hollywood. He had a huge collection. Uh, I had an art show up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at a whole uh, stock brokerage. They wanted to buy some paintings and they wanted me to have a show so they could invite their customers in. So we went up to Pittsburgh and had a show. And... Uh, Mr. Price was in town that day and he was being interviewed on television and I'm watching it and they said, have you seen Mr. Kenneth White's show that's having a show over at, uh, and they named the big uh, um, stock brokerage. He said, I have a piece of his work and, and uh, he's going to be something to be recognized with. He's going to be real good. He is good now, but he's going to be well known. That tickled me to death to hear him say that. Mm. Because here's a man that knows art. I didn't I didn't know as much about art as he did, and I was painting him. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, uh, Carol Burnett had a piece of my work. Uh, I found that out because we have two boys here in town that were on the uh, in the Otwell Twins. They still they live in Amarillo and they sing around. They're singers, 
and uh, they were invited out to Carol Burnett's house one night, and first thing they saw is they opened up the door and walked in. It was Harris Skinner's awesome. last painting. That's awesome. Now they spent the rest of the evening not singing, but talking about how they knew me. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but it helps to have people that like you. Sure. So do you still paint right now? Are you still yes. actively painting? Yes, I have about four or five that I must do this next month. That's great. And uh, So after 50-plus years of painting, you know, what, what keeps you still painting? I mean, is it just something you love so much? I mean, what motivates you to I'd continue to paint? I'd painting and then talking to you. <laughs> hey, no, no, we're going to no. edit that part. We're going to well, edit that part I, out. You can edit that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd really rather paint than anything else. It's um, awesome. I do like to play golf with him. Now that I can beat him, why it, uh, <laughs> it's much better. That's great. That's awesome. I haven't beaten him since he was in high school. <laughs> I'd give anything in the world. We weren't going to tell anyone. <laughs> we weren't going to tell anyone. Well, uh, so we, we have a lightning round here. So you've been really gracious to, to give us some time today. Um, really, really pleased to be with you. So this lightning round, just one word answer. They're really, really simple here. So okay. we're just going to fly through this here. So where, where's your abs absolute favorite place to eat? Oh, I guess the El Camino right here. El Camino. All right. What's your go-to meal? A chili relleno. All right. You're my kind of guy. <laughs> Queso or guacamole? Queso. Queso. <laughs> Mexican food or a good old steak? And I'd, eat, I'd eat a chili relleno. All right. Mexican Every food. time, huh? All right. Favorite music? Boy, I'm about as non-musical as anybody you've ever heard of it. <laughs> I had to go back to one my daddy used to sing. He he played the guitar and sang. I I didn't. That's awesome. I I couldn't even whistle at the girls <laughs> on key. But uh, that's great. He used to sing some old songs. All right, I liked that's well. good. All right, favorite movie of all time. Uh, oh, what's the one with John Wayne and? He has a lot of good ones. You can cover a lot of good ones there. Well, see, I can sit down and turn a good Western movie on and paint what I... Yeah. Uh, and, 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 Maybe my, I'm going to cheat here and ask you one more question, even though I'm supposed to wrap this up. So you have all kinds of amazing paintings. What, what like, what's the process like when something catches your eye and you know that's something you want to paint? Whether it's a landscape or, or a person or a thing, I mean, what is that like? We 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 did something with this, so it may take too long, but I'll tell you about it. I used to sit down and sketch it. I'm a, I, I sketch it pretty quick. Okay. And I do everything pretty quick. But I'd sketch what it is pretty quick. And when I get and it might not be a very good sketch. It might just be lines or whatever would remind me of it and get it get fixed in my mind. And when I got home and started the painting, I'd take that sketch and I had a big cardboard box, uh, it used to be a big film box, that I'd just open and throw it in there. And over the years, I collected hundreds and hundreds mm. of sketches. Yeah. Well, about a month ago, we got the idea, my son and I, that we'd have a sketch show so we framed and just matted about 200 of those wow. 
and it, boy, they went like that. We cut the price way down, but that lets somebody have an original at an inexpensive price, but also it was good. Some of it was pretty good art. Yeah, that's I right. Some of it, the horses, you can see the improvement over the years as I got better. Wow, that's awesome. So when you when you have a concept or an idea, you always started with a sketch. I did in the beginning, and then I I, I tried to take pictures, but I am a terrible picture taker. <laughs> That's the reason I think sure. I'm, I paint well sure. because I don't. Well, I think you've made up for it in your ability to paint. Uh, I've painted. Uh, I think I've set a record. Um, we've tried. I've tried on the internet to find anything that would uh, negate what I'm saying. But I finished somewhere in December of this last year my 9,000th painting. Wow. That's a lot of paintings. That's a lot, a lot of paintings. A lot of people don't. My, and my wife, which was a blessing to me, I'll tell you, took a picture of the first painting I painted, and all of them, up, oh, maybe the first 5,000, she probably took pictures of. You see all these. Mm-hmm. There all these books around here are I'm scrapbook poor. Wow. She bought so many scrapbooks. <laughs> I mean, she put about five thousand paintings in those scrapbooks, That's and amazing. then computers. See, I, this is all happening back before computers were a right. part of anybody's world. Right. So uh, when we got a computer, we stopped taking photographs of them. And now we've got the full-blown thing, it's and amazing. now we do prints of them and so on on the computers. So the last four or 5,000, maybe last half of them, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to try for 10,000. That sounds like an awful big number. <laughs> I bet you can get there. But as far as I know, nobody um, that I know and anybody we've read about there was a man that uh, painted the mountains up in Montana and up in there that uh, he likes to tell everybody that he, he painted 1,700 paintings and he sold 1,700. Wow. Well, that's the most we've ever heard that we've found anybody wow. in the United States. Now, you go outside the United States, Picasso said he did 300,000, but... Uh, if he signed his name as an autograph, he considered that to be a piece of art. He thought that everything you did just that, yeah justified it being you art. You put down yeah. a paper or a canvas or yeah. anything else was art. Yeah. If if not, get out of the business is yeah. what he thought. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, you you've uh, it's been a real treat getting to to spend this time with you, and we really appreciate you you know taking the time to meet with us. So. Uh, we're we're really grateful. I love the word grateful because it's very kind of you to come and do this. Sure, it's our our treat, our treat.